Making a recipe that calls for butter? Make it better with European butter from France. With a minimum of 82% butter fat, it's no wonder French butter is the number one choice of chefs the world over. Whether you're whipping up an omelet, sauteing vegetables, or spreading it on toast, the rich, cultured flavor of butter from France always elevates. Be sure to look for Made in France on the label. And for recipes, tips, and tricks, go to tasteeurope.com. And what's happening online right now is a massive correction because buzz is no longer just enough. Digital marketing efficacy is no longer just enough to get you through five years of success. The products that are not of the highest product quality are getting weeded out. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. You spotted their iconic squeeze bottle on the shelves of Whole Foods and seen it used by your favorite Instagram influencer. But do you know the story behind Grazza? One of my favorite upstart food brands around. On this episode, I speak with Grazza's charismatic co-founder, Andrew Benin, to talk about the ups and downs of running a fast-growing food company. This is such a cool interview. I hope you enjoy it. Andrew Benin, Welcome to the Taste Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Graza olive oil. I bought it like week or month one. I think you launched in, in January 2022. That's this January. We're recording it in December. I like it. I really like your product. Thank so you so much. I wanted much. to invite you on. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, people always ask, like, what's the special sauce? How do you guys <laughs> do it? What's the secret? And mm. I'm like, I don't know. Have you ever heard of product market fit? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you're just a good product. Yep. You know? So this is like some Scott Galloway shit right here. Yeah, exactly. This is like some real product market fit. It's like stratechery. Yeah. I, I think it is a really cool product, but I, I want to get into the story of Grasa, your story working in CPG and also at like Warby Parker and some of the, mm-hmm. you know, bigger consumer brands um, mm-hmm. that kind of thrive on the internet. I want to get into like the art direction, Gander, nice, nice shit there. But I want to start with the basics. Um, and it, please, uh, we know, we've seen the squeeze bottles on Instagram. Molly, Molly Baz, guest on the podcast, has, has posted a bit. Big day for us. Yeah, definitely. So what is the product? And uh, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what makes the olive oil so special. Yeah. Graza. Graza is fundamentally two types of olive oil. We are an olive oil company. And we're not trying to be anything else. Like, we don't want to launch 100 products and be mm. modern pantry staples galore. Like, mm. we sell olive oil, good olive oil, at the best price that we can. That's what we do. Um, we're definitely known primarily for our form factor. They're like, oh, you put olive oil in a squeeze bottle. Why didn't I think of that? That's like the reaction that we usually get. But fundamentally, we're single origin, single sourced, single varietal yeah. olive oil. We come from Spain, from Jaén. Most people don't know about Jaén. It's like not easy to get to. Mm. And there's nothing really going on there except olive oil. Is this like a, like, uh, We'll call it like Poughkeepsie of Spain. Is it like the Costa Mesa of Spain? Is the thing it... is there's no Poughkeepsies of anywhere except Poughkeepsie. Yeah, you're That's right. Shout out um, to Poughkeepsie. I love it up yeah. there. Uh, no, Jaén is, is an agricultural region where probably 80% of the city works in olive oil, mm. and people are very proud to do it. Um, and it's the type of experience where you're driving for four hours on the same highway, and all you see are olive trees. 
And you're like, this is pretty great. You know, yeah. it's like driving through Napa, except a lot longer and a lot more olive trees. Um, and we have two products, Drizzle and Sizzle. Yeah. We definitely get a lot of love for coming up with that. And that truly was like a in-the-shower moment. Yeah. Like, you you came up with it? I was just washing my armpits. Yeah, yeah. And, and I came up with it. Um, yeah. And Drizzle is our finishing oil. It's yep. harvested in October, uh, which is early harvest olive oil. And, and before we came around... Each farm kind of had their own reserve yeah. or estate blend or this gran reserva, all <laughs> this like very luxurious mm. terminology for very little olive oil. And Graz was like, well, we want to buy more of that, enable you as the farmer to get more cash into your farm earlier on in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to make that product available at scale. So that's Drizzle. And then Sizzle is its friendly neighbor. It's harvested four to six weeks later. Same exact olives, all piqual. Single origin still. It's Everything. not blend. There's, it's all no from blending. that single estate. No blending. It, no, no, no blending. T- no two bottles of our olive oil will have oil from more than one farm, from more than one harvest. Never. It doesn't happen. That's cool. It's like all lot controlled. And like that's not the most important thing. The reason you do that is because the simpler your supply chain, the better your olive oil. And, yeah. like, we really like the flavor of yeah. piqual. We're not doing it just to say we're single variety. No, you're not, like, bullshitting marketing. No. It's, it's more about the quality control. And, like, blends are great. Like, I, I've been a big consumer of California Olive Ranch, and you can say what you will about that brand, but their blends are nice. Like, yeah. I, I, my sizzle before your sizzle was California Olive Ranch. Yeah. I got, I got, I mean, listen, Graz is not about blending, but we are not here saying that all blended That's olive oil hearing. is bad. That cool. is not our shtick. California okay. Olive Ranch knows how to source olive oil. Let's step back. You, we know the products, Drizzle and Sizzle. You launched earlier this year. Yeah. How long did it take to get to, like, launch? Like, was this, like, five years of work that got you there? Two years. Two years of work. Two years pre-launch. You lived in Spain before then, right? I lived in Spain before then. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, my wife is from Spain, and I was actually working at Magic Spoon still. Right. And it, it became clear to me that we were going to move to Spain and like the love for olive oil really started. What were you doing at Magic Spoon? I was their first hire. Wait, um, really? Like yeah. you and the spoons? Like, me and the spoons. You're just me, hanging out? Me, me and Greg and Gabby. <laughs> and like full disclosure, I was not a good employee. Wait. And like every, like it is well known. You know, wow. like I, I, uh, maybe. Why? Because I'm very opinionated, and, like, I think I just really wanted to do this, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't do anything else. Like, I was bringing olive oil to the office, you know? Yeah. And just being like, you guys got to try this. And I was like, why are you bringing olive oil to the office? Like, Magic Spoon sells, like, healthy snacks. Healthy cereal. Cereal, that's yeah. right. It was more than Whey just... protein cereal. Yeah, right. It's like protein cereals. They're, they're pretty They're pretty popular. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're popular. They don't have a market, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You guys sure. all work with Gander. We all worked with Gander. That's how yeah, I met yeah. Gander. And when you're picking a branding agency, you're like, oh, my yeah. God, am I going to be another person in New York that pays six figures for mm-hmm. branding and then, like, regrets it? And it's like, I don't know. You get what you pay for, honestly. Like, they designed the car that we can drive. Let's get into the Gander part because I think it's really important to talk about Gander because Gander has created this aesthetic. Their clients include Misfit, Bonza, June Wine Bar in Brooklyn. They are um, very saturated, very flash heavy in the photography and very bold. And I think Graza has had 
extreme success, at least from my seat, with your branding yeah. because it's dope. It's really nice. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job. I mean, yeah. their 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 job is very difficult, right? Yeah. How do you distill oh. five months of conversation ideas into, for example, a label? Yeah, you know, hmm. and then a website. It's right. like well, also like a green and a yellow too. Yeah, yeah. Like finding those colors, which like. Do you go yellow and red and try to stand out on the shelf in this color palette that no one has seen? A la Banza, like no one's seen orange pasta boxes. Everything Definitely is not. blue. Dechaco Barilla, blue. Yeah. And that's trusted. And then if you're not that, you're an artisanal pasta. You're yeah. like this like tan beige, you know. And for olive oil, it's all green glass. You decided to to stick with the, the standard for a reason. But being different enough, you know, but like we plastic. didn't want to be a of light blue just to be a light blue. Sure. You know, green is mm. great. Green is olive oil. That olive oil sitting right there in that little table is green, you know? So, so when you're talking to Gander about your brand, your infant infant brand and, and really getting attention, what are they telling you? What are they doing? Are they saying this is this is the color, this is the logo? Yeah. That's like that's probably the hardest part is actually Deciding on the color palette and the logo and yeah. trusting the process comes up a lot. But I feel like what you're actually doing is having a massive tug of war in a sense where as someone starting an olive oil company, you're very opinionated, somewhat naive. And you're like, I don't even want to put extra virgin on the label. <laughs> you know, like what does extra virgin even mean? Mm -hmm. It's all it's all like if it's true, it should be table stakes to be mm -hmm. extra virgin. First cold pressed, what the hell does that even mean? If your first cold press is in January, who cares if your mm -hmm. first cold press is in October? That's awesome. You know, like that's early harvest olive oil. It's that's jargon. Drizzle. It's absolute jargon. It's jargon. And, yeah. and and I'm like, I don't want to put any of that on the label. And Gander's job is to be like, that's awesome, great idea. But we're also going to study the market and we're also going to survey people and we're going to tell you how far you can go without pushing people too far away from even trying your product. Because what's the difference if you take extra virgin off, yeah. you feel good about yourself and your concept, but then no one's going to try it because it's not familiar to them. Okay, Gander does a good job of not just being New Yorkers yeah. and serving people from all over the world. Yeah, but also getting buzz within that little tiny square on yes. your phone. And, yes. and they, they know what they're doing. I'll yes. probably invite Gander onto the show. I, I actually really like them. Let's go back to your statement at the beginning of this when you talked about product market fit and how Grasa had a product market fit. I think of the market and I think of brands like Fat Gold, Brightland, Ruby Rosa. Eater just wrote a great piece, maybe you disagree, about the inundation of olive oils. Do we need more olive oil? So how do you, Grazza, actually say I have great product market fit with so much great olive oil seemingly in the market? A lot of the olive oil on the shelf uh, is provided by the same buying groups. And all that happens is you put a different logo or a different brand or a different flag on a bottle and now you sell olive oil when realistically you're selling the same exact product as a lot of other people. Uh, it still is an art to sell, like, you know, but, okay, let's go through those that you just mentioned. Fat Goal is a legit olive oil company. Catherine Tomogen is like one of the best oleologists in the country. I visited her in Berkeley before I started Graz. She took me to the California Olive Oil Council, and I told her that this is what I was going to do. Um, and I got a nice email from her, you know, day three of launch saying, you did it. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely couldn't have done it without that experience with her. Fat Gold knows what the hell they're doing. The thing is they only source from California. Yeah. Now, America's large problem is that we didn't 
plant enough olive trees in Arizona, Nevada, California when we had the opportunity mm. to. We're, we're a country that is completely dependent on canola oil from Canada, can canola. Yeah. Wrote uh, about in Food IQ, the book I wrote with Dan Holzman. Hell yeah. Yeah, canola. It's from Canada. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. I like yeah. that. Um, and we could have been dependent on olive oil, and it probably would have had pretty big impacts on our life expectancy mm-hmm. over a 200, 300-year period. Are we talking about the 1950s, 1940s, when we talk about egg, uh, planting? No, it was earlier than that. Got to go Mission- further back. Missionaries came over to, to the San Fernando Valley before that, and— the only trees that rooted in California were two varietals, Mission and Atabacina, mm. which is why most of the olive oil that you're seeing coming out of the West Coast is Atabacina. Mm. But people don't know. I mean, Georgia grows olive oil or olive trees. Texas has olive oil. Connecticut just got sure. cert- Connecticut just got certified for a frost-resistant olive variety that they grow in the Dolomites. So, like, you can grow olive oil in America. You yeah. can grow Picual in California. Fat Gold has sourced it, but not at scale. And not at a price that most consumers yeah. can purchase. Yeah, their so that, bottles are quite um, higher than yours. And, and let's yeah. remind our audience, is it still two bottles for 30 We sell two bottles for 35 35 Sizzle, Up five since the launch. Yeah, exactly. No, we had, a, we, have like a, we had like a get your first sizzle and drizzle duo. Listen, Andrew, inflation, like looking at my Bloomberg app, $5 raise in a year is cool. We're no, no. Good. We, we're, we're good. We're good. I, I swear, I swear. MSRP on Sizzle was always 15 okay. MSRP on Drizzle is 20 That's okay. what it sold at It was Whole just Foods like a at. bundle deal. A bundle deal. Okay. Your first offer. Now we do free shipping. Oh, cool. So 35 free shipping, you 35 get a Drizzle and a free and Sizzle. Shipping. 35 free shipping, you okay. get a Drizzle and a Sizzle. Again, stress. I invited you on the show because I like the product. And yeah, I'm yeah. a customer. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good shit. No, I think... I think a big difference between us and those brands is one of their bottles, which is 375 ml, costs 30 to $35. Yeah. Our bottle of Sizzle is 750 ml and costs $14.99. Yeah. And so back to those other brands you were going to go through. Brightland is the next one. Yeah. I think Brightland did probably the biggest justice to to the sector by proving that bringing art and creativity and design and a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful vessel into mm-hmm. the space is important. And, you know, I, I think their brand is beautiful. Um, and I think rising tides lifts all boats. Like, whether it's Brightland or any other olive oil company, I'll stack Drizzle and Sizzle up against them on a quality, on a flavor basis, yeah. and I'll, I'll go to war for Graza when it comes to that. But I don't know. Running a business, you learn how hard it is. So it's hard to not have respect for your competitors. I've seen some of these olive oil guys. You really want to go to war with some of them? No. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> this is not what we're saying here. No, Absol- it's absolutely. more of a metaphor. Absolutely not. Yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's no, it's like war with squeeze bottles. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which could be really fun. It could be fun. Now, I like the story about the genesis of Graza, um, not just you living in Spain, but but you doing a stage at Gramercy Tavern with Mike Anthony, great, yeah. great, great chef, cool dude. Um, you brought him some great olive oil. It seems like that was a, your thing, yeah. bringing in some olive oil, which is cool. Like you were the olive oil guy. Yeah. And so when you're like, I'm going to sell this great olive oil to America, what did he say to you? Well, like unfiltered raw. Mm-hmm. He told me not to become another douche. <laughs> no, I respect that. Yeah, term. That he, term is very specific and, and taken. He was like, there's 
10 people in this zip code in Gramercy Park yeah. that are trying to sell the best jamon, the best vinegar, the mm-hmm. best cheese, the 36-month-age parmigiano, like, to the best restaurants, and what's the point of it all if no one can experience it? Mm. It's like, it's your job to make people that have never gone to Spain, never gone to an mm-hmm. olive grove, feel like they're going just because they're getting your product and your mission and your visualization of it all. And... It's like, don't just focus on the Michelin star restaurants. Focus on some of the biggest retailers in the country and get people to use this product. And I went 180, you know? You went, you wanted to go scale after that moment. You were right. like, I was like, like, yeah, like yeah. it like totally changed the whole vision, the whole trajectory of the company. Okay. Um, because I think it's very easy to be traveling around Europe and you're having this experience and you want to tell all your friends and bring this yeah. culture and, oh, like these dinners that I had in Sicily, you know, it was the best, most beautiful thing and no one's working and everyone's happy. It's all bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. it's a really hard life there, especially in Southern Europe. Especially if you work at a hotel in Sicily. Just can't TV Called show. the White Lotus. T- um, TV show reference here. Um, and... Like, yeah, they have really good agricultural products. It's not your job to bring that to America and sell it as some luxury item. Make it available. Especially there's a hyper focus on local sourcing, local eating, local foraging. Olive oil, I think, same as like saffron, for example, or salt. Yeah. Like their globalization has been a part of these food staples for a long time. And I don't think it's an issue yeah. sending containers of olive oil directly cross Atlantic from where 50% of the world's olive oil is made at this quality to the East Coast of New York. I'm really proud of it, actually. Yeah, that must have taken some uh, logistics, it must have, especially with their shipping delays. It was a nightmare. So, yeah, to get it off the, off the shelves or into people's hands in, in January 2022, that means you would have had to, those boats would have had to have taken off around the time we had this crazy shipping delay. So what was that first, like, year that was awful. building the company? That was awful. Everything yeah. about it was awful, and, yeah. I, and it was really stressful, and we definitely had one of those, we sold out, you know, which we did. You know, we, we were, we, it was crazy at the beginning. After Molly posted— Was it because you had put you had to put up a lot of money to get that olive oil onto those boats, and then those boats were like, what the fuck, where are they? What and, boats? What boats? Yeah, there right. were no. There weren't even any boats. We put right. olive oil on. We had to buy air freight. Oh, you air freighted your to. first shipment. We had wow. To. We had to. Actually, did you make if, money on that first? No, absolutely not. <laughs> but we we didn't we didn't we weren't taking a salary or anything. No, we didn't have no. any operating costs. So yeah. Um, but I actually remember if he's listening, Graza has investors. We've raised raised money. We don't. Talk, yeah. We don't talk about it a lot. But I mean, you have a venture capital background, or do you have friends and family background? Venture capital. Yeah. Yeah. But this guy, Wesley, if you're listening, hi. What's his What's his VC? What's his fund called? Brand Foundry. Yeah, I mean, this is all public yeah. records. I mean, you can it is. check this up. It's it very no much No secrets is. here, yeah. No secrets here, but we were, we were, go, we were going on like a nature walk together. <laughs> Jesus. Talking about- uh, What? <laughs> talking about health insurance and like- VCs are get, funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> getting the best health insurance for your employees, yeah. and like budgeting for that. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is great. These people, these, this VC is great. They want to get great health insurance for our employees. And we made a we made a wager. He was like, "You're gonna have to air freight. Everybody has to air freight." And I was like, "We're never gonna air freight. Right. Like, we're gonna be the most profitable company <laughs> that anyone has ever invested in. The best story ever." Yeah. And like seven months later, we had to air freight. Air Otherwise, we wouldn't have launched. How many gallons did you have to air freight? I don't want to talk about. Okay, that. we don't have to go yeah. there. <laughs> okay, I, I think it's interesting to point out that you took a loss in that first shipment, but it made a lot of sense given what happened, which was influencers. 
And I really wanted to have you on for that because you yeah. were everywhere. Still January are. January 22. You are still everywhere. That's true. It's it's good to correct me and not talk about the past tense. But Molly Bass, guest of the show, one of our authors, loved your product yeah. uh, and posted something. Talk about that day Molly posted. Because Molly, Molly is definitely um, not posting bullshit. She has good taste and people – that's why we like Molly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I mean that changed – the trajectory of our business, actually. Uh, and I don't think it takes any influencer to do that. It takes the right influencer. Which Molly, like, influencer. She's also a great cook. Yeah, no, she uh, is a professional. She worked yeah, in many, she's many kitchens. Yeah, yeah. And right place, right time, right audience. Yeah. And Whole Foods actually saw that mm-hmm. post mm-hmm. and hit us up. And now we're in all the Whole Foods as of January. So, and also our website traffic was bonkers. You know? Yeah. And you had uptime? You didn't, like, crash down? Uh, Shopify crashed on yeah. our launch day. It was the first global Shopify outage in, like, six years, front-end and back-end. That was pretty stressful. Um, and looking back on it, like, it was really funny. But, yeah, Molly Molly was a catalyst for us. Did you pay sure. her? No. That's cool. So you you maybe seeded product, which is— We've never done a paid influencer post. That's pretty cool. So you seed products, though. We seed product, and I think that we— win seeding product because our, <laughs> because our economics to do it makes sense and also we budget for it and there's a high viability of use when it mm-hmm. comes to Graza because if you've worked in a kitchen and now you're you know have a side hustle you're making recipes you're doing recipe development you're doing content you see a squeeze bottle you know what the hell to do yeah you're just like I'm getting down like you don't feel like some bougie olive oil company is seeding you product just so you post it no we are made to be used. Yeah. And like olive oil, of course, is such a foundational cook ingredient in all types of cooking, right? Yeah. But if you got a like a like a very fancy looking bottle of olive oil seated to you. Oh no, like, yeah. You're you're gonna wait to have friends over or guests over. It's gonna collect dust. Just like a vintage of wine. It's one of those things. I think you just pulled the ripcord. Like I have to admit, Andrew, I'm I'm putting drizzle in the in the sizzle part. I'm doing it. I last night I just I knew we were doing, I'm kind of out. I'm just doing it. I'm I'm cooking with some of that that drizzle. And I think why not? Exactly. Why live yeah. live a little crazy? Yeah, yeah. Cook. That's like yeah. the end of it. And I feel like that's that's another area where we've done really well in being genuine. It's like we didn't start this company to influence people to cook and the return of the home chef. We just made a product that fits in. I agree. You're going to do you. I agree. You Thank know? you for uh, being clear because I think we've talked a lot about the artifice of the company. And that was me leading the conversation about the influencers, about getting to the market, your branding agency, all that stuff. But let's actually get into the product because I want to get a sense of how do you cook with good olive oil, yeah. with, with the sizzle? Um, are there ways that we can view other brands, the Bertoldi's, the California Olive Ranches, the Lessers versus yours when you're cooking with it? Why does it matter? Because I'm like, I'm just cooking. I'm throwing in my pasta sauce, like whatever. I'm doing garlic with it. It's going to taste like garlic, but why does it matter? I mean, I don't, I would rather cook garlic in good olive oil than not good olive oil. Why? Because I think it's an infusion of flavor. It's true, adding heat uh, is going to dissipate the flavor of any cooking fat that you're cooking with. So there's this concept of neutral cooking fats, right? On neutral cooking, I can make olive oil neutral cooking fat the same way I can make canola oil neutral yeah. cooking fat, the same way I can make avocado oil neutral cooking fat. I just pre-cook it, mm-hmm. right? So when you're putting good olive oil in a pan, because we're 
only doing one use, right, you are imparting that flavor on the dish that you're cooking. Mm -hmm. Yes, if you're going at 500 degrees on a carbon steel wok, like, it's going to burn. But not many people are actually cooking at 500 degrees, like, and you're definitely not frying at 500. You're frying at 350. Yeah, the smoke point of olive oil isn't isn't too crazy. I mean, it's we, 410. Yeah, it's 410. So you're not like gonna. You can use it for most preparations. Like the wok on a big BTU is gonna probably taste like shit. But like that's usually. But what about a Neapolitan pizza oven? It's 800 degrees. Yeah, olive oil's been going in it before all of us. You know, Agreed. Existed. No, it's definitely true, and and um, I wasn't even going there to be honest. And, and honestly, I, I, you showed your hand a little bit because I, I didn't actually assume that it was gonna neutralize. Because bad olive oil, cheap olive oil, is probably just you don't want to put in your body. Well, I think there's this there's this assumption that by investing in olive oil, you're investing in a healthy cooking fat. Olive oil costs more than canola oil, a lot more, mm-hmm. and corn oil, and soybean oil, and vegetable oil. Like, decent olive oil is 10 to 12x yeah. canola oil. When you're paying 10 to 12x, you're expecting a benefit. A benefit of flavor and a health benefit. Otherwise, why pay 10 to 12x? Mm-hmm. So our goal is to get you what you're kind of expecting to pay for. You're getting kick-ass flavor, traceability, a really delicious product, and the price is right, and you're getting the health yeah, benefits. Yeah, that's why it's product market fit, yeah. because it is good olive oil from a single source. We know what you're getting. Now that we've listened to your story, we know what you're getting, but it's like competitively yep. priced. Yep, made it's, to. It was built for retail. It's built for retail. Um, I want to get a bit about your history. I know we talked about your um, your past of being a bad employee, but you were probably a good employee somewhere else. Yes. So you worked at uh, Warby Parker, yes. um, d- famous direct consumer eyewear brand, um, public company now. Is that public right? company. Yeah. Now. yeah, yeah, yeah. I went from Warby. To Casper. That's right, Casper. I was there for a long time. Our, our first investors were, you know, Casper founders. They, they've they been very supportive. My, my whole career changed my life. So you're OG Casper. OG Casper. Cool. Yeah. What's it like selling mattresses on the internet? <laughs> I mean, it, it, reflecting back on it, it's like Casper mattresses when we launched are 950 bucks. Yeah. How many $950 things do you have to sell a day to have a good day? Mm-hmm. We have to sell a lot of $30, $35 things yeah. to have a good day. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's definitely <laughs> good more. Point. <laughs> it's definitely more fun to sell olive oil because actually sleep. Everybody sleeps. It was it was nice. It was unified yeah. also, but. It's different. Like this is food. You know, food is food is food is interesting. My 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 dad sold mattresses. That was his job. Yeah, yeah. he sold a lot of mattresses, and and it is an interesting business because everyone does sleep, and certainly people sleep poorly. And yeah, need- the crazy thing though, and you know, I don't know if anyone cares, but it got a lot of love for being a bed in a box, right? Yeah, every single viscoelastic memory foam mattress is compressed and comes in a box to the mattress store. They are unfolded mm. to be sold to you at a premium so you feel good about spending yeah. the money. And then you pay two people to carry it, oh, this big mattress, all the way up my stairs. That mattress was in a box at some that's point. That's really funny. Isn't that crazy? That's a good, that's a good story. Now, I want to ask you about direct-to-consumer food companies because yeah. it is frustrating. We've yeah. covered it a lot on Taste, and I've done, been doing this for a little while. And, and certainly, um, it's great to see democratization in food, and you're very clear about why a $30 or $15 bottle of olive oil democratizes cooking, and I love yeah. that. That said, there's just a lot of bullshit out there oh, yeah. with DDC and a lot of artifice. Um, yeah. 
So when you entered this world, yeah. were you like you had staged at Gramercy Tavern? Were you like a food person? You yeah, seem like you're kind of like a peer and like in the food world. Big time. I was hanging out at Stone Barns on the farm all the time. Just oh, did to... you work there? I didn't or... work there. I volunteered there. Yeah. One of my good friends is the assistant GM of the farm. It's Jason cool. Grower. Um, so what's your background in food? It's cool. I don't know. I feel like my own food revolution happened because I ate really poorly as a kid. Um, I come from like Eastern European roots and, mm. you know, my, my, my growing up was like getting a phone call at eight o'clock at night and do you want Taco Bell? Do you want Burger Where King? Where did you grow up? Uh, I lived in Brooklyn until I was 12 and then moved out to Suffolk County mm-hmm. on Long Island. Um, and yeah, just because a lot of fast food. Um, and then I feel like in college when I had my own budget, uh, I went to Binghamton where like everyone shops at Wegmans. Mm-hmm. It's the best. Um, it kind of is. Yeah. I loved shopping at Wegmans when I lived in Brooklyn. It oh, was yeah. great. Oh, yeah. And I had, you know, 100 bucks a week to go to Wegmans. And I was like, okay, like I'm mm-hmm. getting down, I'm doing my own thing. I'm cooking yeah. for myself. Then I think I went too radical. Yeah. I got radicalized. I like did keto, you know? Oh. And that was really stupid. Was that for weight loss? Or yeah. like for just feeling healthier? Weight loss, like just, I don't know, it's it's easy to get obsessed in a sure. sense. Yeah. Um, I, I, I overcompensated. And then coming out of that, traveled in Europe, went to Italy, then lived in Spain, then started at Gramercy, and mm. I worked at the farmer's market here in New York at the green market for a grass-fed beef vendor. Nice. Um, you have that vibe. You have that farmer's market vibe. You were wearing a nice sweater today. You have curly hair. Probably still the best job I've ever had. Because of the interaction with the customers? Yeah, and, the, fun. Ven- and the vendors. Yeah. You get to trade your goods for other goods. And the only, the only way to really become a good home cook, I think, is to have the space to mess up. And if you're going to an expensive butcher shop and mm-hmm. you buy a T-bone, you're really scared to mess up because you're like, I just spent 50 bucks yeah. on that T-bone. When you work at the farmer's market, you get a lot of wiggle room to play around. You yeah. Know, you're pickling kohlrabi just because. Yeah, it's there and you've got, you know, you traded. products. Yeah, traded. Yeah. Um, cool. Grasa's not like a foodie company in a sense. Mm-mm. We believe that people are going to be inspired by people on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and cookbooks and their family life and themselves to cook in a way that makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. And, like, we are just the olive oil for that. That's cool. Do you have, like, a chef on staff? Like, do you have, like, a culinary producer or any of that stuff? Not no? yet. Now we have, like, four creators yeah, that yeah. we have on retainer. Nice. And we work to collaborate on recipes that we feel really good about. That's cool. Publishing on our blog and, and showing people to cook. Let's talk a little bit more about the company because I I wanna we talk about we talked to founders on here and we we spoke with uh, Jing Gao from Fly by Jing recently. Hi Jing. Yeah, shout out. and we had uh, the Omsung we had uh, Kim Fam from Omsung. And, Hi Kim and Vanessa. Yeah, yeah. You guys are all like in a in a kind of crew um, selling food on the internet, yeah. doing it in a cool way, and not on the internet. See, that's the thing. I I keep slipping into that and that's my fault because all three of the brands I mentioned are most certainly not on the internet. They're very much in targets and very yeah. much. Um, and that leads to my next question about distribution for your, for, for you. First question is how do you like, how do you walk through a grocery store? You personally, Andrew, do you, do you, do you have, do you have a certain style of like looking at all the products? Oh man. I mean, it's the happiest experience <laughs> and also the most stressful experience. You know, when you go into a bookstore looking for a book, 
and everything is sorted vertically and your head is like sideways yeah. for way too long and you leave with a <laughs> migraine. Yeah. Uh, most of my grocery store visits are like that because I'm meandering and weaving through the aisles uh, and I just get lost. I, I want to go grab something and I'm in there for an hour and a half looking at the newest anchovy that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, Where do you like to shop? I like to shop at the farmer's market. I mean, this is New York. I live in Spain now, yeah, you so live it's a little in bit Spain. different. Yeah. Um, but in New York, it was farmer's market, Whole Foods, Wegmans, farmer's market, Whole Foods, yeah. Wegmans. Some Trader Joe's. Um, it depends on where you live and sure. if you had a car. Um, in Spain, it's like butcher shop, fish shop, vegetable stand, fruit stand, and you shop every day. You know, it's not like you're in your weekly food shop. No. Like, you are... Like, out of necessity, it's not like some cute thing. Yeah, you're industry. like, I, what, what am I making today? Okay, yeah, I'm going to get yeah. some fresh bass from the fishmonger, and I'm going to get some carrots that just came in. You know, it's, it's totally different. So back to my founder question, because um, the aside about the grocery store, I think, makes sense. Um, how do you, as a brand, stay in the game, stay fresh, stay, stay, stay buzzworthy, and then, I, how do you take that buzz from, like, the Molly Post and et cetera and, like, tr- transfer that energy to the grocery store? That's 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 what you, – you talk about D2C companies a lot. And what's happening online right now is a massive correction because buzz is no longer just enough. And <laughs> digital marketing efficacy is no longer just enough to get you through five years of success. The – products that are not of the highest product quality are getting weeded out because if you just had good branding and good marketing and mediocre product quality five years ago you could get to 100 million dollars in sales because america's huge uh that is no longer the situation so by being built with that in mind built for success built product forward and with a margin structure that supports retail you're already five ten times ahead of the game yeah. Um, Plus, the guy you went on the nature walk with is not going to bug you because, like, that guy's going to be bugging you if you're not hitting some. Yeah. Things. Also, I mean, for uh, like, how do you stand out on shelf? Uh, I mean, we're in a squeeze bottle and it looks cool, and definitely thirty percent of people that walk through a grocery store that don't know about us notice us because they're like, oh, it looks different. Thirty percent of people probably are like, oh, I saw that on TikTok. I saw that cap. Mm-hmm. Like, we have this just the tip, you know, thing mm-hmm. going on. Um, slightly problematic. Slightly problematic. Yeah, yeah. but um, that's okay. And, <laughs> and um, you know, 30% of people probably have been served an ad yeah, or seen one of their favorite creators use it and mm-hmm. talk about it. So we're kind of coming it's the from, dots, connecting the dots. It's we're the coming way. from different angles. Yeah. And then in a grocery store, if you're lucky enough to get off the shelf, right, which is what everybody wants, that's where you really start seeing people purchase your product because you have the billboard. Mm. You are front and center. Wait, when you say off the shelf, you mean actually get in the person's home? Well, no, like you're on the end of the aisle, the end caps. Oh, I see, I see, I see. You're not just in the rows. Got it, got it. Off the shelves, meaning like on the end caps and and placement. Exactly, exactly. Like for us, drizzles in produce a lot of the time, which is a dream. Absolutely Olive oil oil is a fruit juice at the end of the day. It's just pressed olives. Like I definitely want to be next to the avocados and the tomatoes. Yeah. Those are our friends. You know, not the vinegars. I don't want to be next to the vinegars. I want to be next to the tomatoes. Yeah, absolutely. You know? How many employees do you have right now? 
Um, we have seven total. My goodness. We have five full-time, and then we have two contractors. If it is good for, like, 2022? Oh, yeah. You got. I mean, you're selling some bottles of olive oil, even though you got your shipping in the airplanes. Oh, yeah. No, that was... That was, that was like, a one-time only. That was a one. Now we're, we're smooth sailing. <laughs> no, Graza is doing really well. I would imagine there's pressure... Um, because you always have brands on your heels. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen a squeeze bottle somewhere in the market. Yeah, in Australia, actually. Okay. First time. It's not easy to get olive oil in a squeeze bottle. It's harder than you think. It's like going to Bordeaux and convincing a 70-year-old winemaker to put Bordeaux in a squeeze bottle. <laughs> it's like, it's not that easy. They'll be like, I don't, one, get off my farm. Yeah. <laughs> Two, I don't have the machinery for that. I, oh. It's not possible. So, Andrew, your connections in Spain in this, these four hours of fields in that yes. region is, is and Graza had to buy machinery. Yeah, you had a to, lot of it. Do you have patents and stuff? And we have patent pending. It's yeah. really hard to get a patent. I, I don't know that world. Yeah. It seems like it'd be challenging, but yeah. it's, but it seems that's a really smart way to put it because you can't just like it's not like they're just copying because you can't do it. Yeah. Oh, I want to put butter in a squeeze bone. You know. Oh, that would be fun. Good luck. Um, but like. You, there still are a lot of companies launching all the time. Yes. And how do you ma- maintain the momentum as a, as a founder? It keeps you that's, – that's one of the ten things that keep you up all night. <laughs> like doing this is very unhealthy. It's very stressful. Really? Yeah. Yeah? Um, you don't feel healthy right now? No. Oh, man. Uh, but that's okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I, I consume a lot of olive oil, which yeah. you know, at least I have that. That can help. That could be good. Um, but staying relevant in a genuine way, in a non-bought way, in a way that makes people feel like you're not bullshitting them mm-hmm. while still serving them great product is, is hard. And, like, I remember I was, I think, 18, 19. I went to an Ogilvy in Mather's office. I didn't know, like, advertising world yeah. when I was a kid. I remember seeing these people come up with creative advertising campaigns. Mm-hmm. This is the coolest job ever, you know? And uh, it's not bullshit. It's difficult, and it's an art. And communicating with people in short amounts of time about what you're selling, why you're doing it, how good it is, and the reason they should decide to give it a chance is, is hard. And part of that is, I don't know, developing strong relationships mm-hmm. with people and when we seed product and we get a lot of credit for you've seeded so aggressively, like people use it. It's not only about the seeding. It's about making something that people want to use. As you said, it's not yeah. just about the media because, and the marketing, because you obviously, if, if, I mean, I get sent products a lot and, and oftentimes I don't use it and, and just, it's kind of the way it goes. And you can't just survive on that, especially in this, um, where our economy is going. Yeah. Like especially because if you only sell something to someone once, yeah, you are not going anywhere. Like we depend on, on yeah. return, return customers. New customers can be bought. Right. Return customers can be retained. Good call. Uh, where can we find you? Where can we buy your products? Uh, definitely on our website, graza.co. We'll link to it in the show notes, yeah. Okay, because we couldn't afford the .com. Oh, I like a .co. I like, I like a good .co. It, yeah, it feels it like us, a millennial. Yeah. Very it, millennial of you. It gives us a, some, like, you know, gritty Have points. a co, yeah. yeah. It's good. And then we're... We're in Whole Foods, which is an amazing retailer. Yeah, I saw you. I was the one in uh, North Jersey. We're in Wegmans. Yep. We're in the Fresh Time. We're in the Fresh Market and a bunch of other places. We're in Harmons. And then we have to give love to specialty food stores. Yeah. Uh, because they know how to curate 
and experience, and they are back, and they're here to stay. Oh, I mean, shout out to Archistratus. I'm sure you're in there. Archistratus, we're actually not in, but they do have some badass albums. Oh, it's very expensive. That's why yeah. she uh, she's sorry. Why I'm looking at her name. She she's definitely. Um, probably not going to buy your album. No. <laughs> she has um, a point of view. <laughs> yeah, and um, we are in Big Night, uh, which yeah. Big Night and Greenpoint, I mean, they sell a lot of Graza. Um, cool. And, and Catherine knows how to create an experience that feels different. Um, and the price is competitive everywhere. So, so yeah, we're in a lot That's of a places. Like, if you went on our stockist page, you'd find 900 places to uh, buy Graza. Can we talk about Foxtrot? Yeah, because we're I feel, in Foxtrot. So I figured you're in Foxtrot. Oh yeah, Foxtrot, Foxtrot is is very interesting. Yeah, very very interesting. I think it's a really fun thing. Yeah. to hang out in a Foxtrot. Yeah, I mean you can eat really good food while you're there. You can discover really, and you can get really good wine for a really good price. So those are three things that people like to do. They like to drink wine, eat, and yep. then buy food and to make it home. Especially at the end of the night when you had a few bottles of wine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So so yeah, Foxtrot. I mean. There's, it's a disservice to them because they do such a good job taking the risks and finding the brands and, like, giving you the platform and the first big retail account. And then other retailers are like, okay, what's Foxtrot doing? You know? So you invest a lot in that discovery mechanism, mm-hmm. uh, which is what Whole Foods has been known for for so that, long. That's just their that's their bread and butter, yeah. their bread and olive oil. I mean, that's, that's truly the way we go to a Whole Foods to discover things because, like, that's, that's the way. Did everyone hear that? The bread and olive oil thing. Try. I really like that. I try. Yeah. Um, what about Costco? What about Target? Those might be some grails. How do you get into those channels? Um, I mean, you get in by proving that it's working elsewhere. Uh, data talks. Yeah. Money talks. Like this is especially in commodity categories, right? So Costco's a dream to work with. There's no doubt about it. You know, they once you have a strong relationship with Costco, uh, you have the amount of revenue coming into your company to support a lot of other things mm-hmm. and to support payroll and to it just opens things up. Uh, definitely an ambition of ours. Can you flip the switch with? I mean, you're working. This is agriculture. Let's like step back for a second. This is agriculture. This is not like distilling gin that you can just like do whenever you want. No, like, we are gamblers. Like, we, we are <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we think we're going to sell this much olive oil, yeah. and then 11 months before that happens, we buy it all. So it's futures. All futures, yeah, which, yeah. like, is very difficult for a new business. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the primary reasons we needed to raise capital is we need to buy inventory. Now, from a venture capitalist perspective, that is, like, the best reason to invest. Yeah. Like, what do you need to do with your money? Oh, well, we need to pay our employees, and we need to buy inventory. Yeah. Like, inventory is a hard good. Yeah. Like, we can always sell it back if we don't. Yeah. It's a little safer than like buying um, something. Billboards. Marketing. Yeah. Marketing. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like I like uh, Uber black for the whole company, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Those days are over, my friend. Uh, as they should be. Those days are over. <laughs> um, yeah. And Target. Target is a great yeah. retailer. Walmart. Walmart's a great retailer. They've invested a lot in creating a elevated produce experience and also taking risks on brands early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to be everywhere. It's cool. We had Ben Van Leeuwen on. He was talking about Walmart and how uh, Walmart's a great, you know, a great place to sell to for a small food company, which I did not know. Yeah. I yeah, did not. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Also, Ben Van Leeuwen, we should make an ice cream together. Oh, yeah. it's I've I've heard that gelato and, uh, and olive oil go well together. They really do. They really do. It's, <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a great pairing. It's I love with it. a little Malden flaky salt. 
It's an umami sugary bomb. I love that. Okay, so you've got two skews, the sizzle and the drizzle. It, they go to they go together. Now, uh, do you have a third skew in development? Yeah. Okay, oh, let's yeah. go. We, ha- we, we tease it on our website. Oh, you do? What yeah. is it? It's called Frizzle. Oh, that's right, Frizzle. Okay, so what is Frizzle? That's interesting. Frizzle is pumice oil. Except doesn't roll off the tongue. No, pumice <laughs> that's, why oil. Fr- that's why I call it frizzle. Big, big pumice oil. Yeah, exactly. Fan the here. The problem is, pumice oil is generally produced in the same way as canola oil or, yeah. or soybean oil. It's hexanes and solvents, deodorization. Uh, pumice oil mechanically is just the pits and skins. It's the second press. It's hot pressed mm-hmm. oil, not cold pressed oil. You got all the pumice, all the muck and you run heat and hexanes and solvents and you separate the lipids out again. This frizzle is sounding pretty delicious, man. But, I gotta say. <laughs> but we have invested in mechanically processing mm-hmm. frizzle instead of using hexanes and solvents, just using pressure. Yeah. Uh, so you avoid some of that nasty stuff. And then what you do is you don't get all the benefits of extra virgin, not even virgin olive oil. You definitely don't, but you've created a price competitive product that has some oleocanthals, mm-hmm. some polyphenols, a good balance of omega three, omega six. This is where you could like yeah. confit you because I feel like when you're confit with olive oil, that's like a lot. It's actually an investment. But you should save that stuff. You what you confit with? You mean? Yeah, I mean, in, in yeah. At my mother-in-law's. Uh, sorry, my wife's parents. Yeah, I always say mother-in-law, but I guess it's also my father-in-law's house. Um, okay, I, I followed you. Yeah, I was like, okay, I know what you're they talking. They have canisters for olive oil filters. Right? Yeah, so it's they. they uh, part of the canola oil problem is that we just put it down the drain. We got in this habit of like, oh, we put a cooking oil in a pot and mm-hmm. then we throw it out. After. Use it once, yeah. yeah. But if you work in a restaurant, you obviously don't use it once. No way. Yeah. You're, even in peanut oil, you're in there for a week. Yeah, exactly. Guys, you know? So <laughs> not only are you clogging your drain, you're kind of just like wasting stuff. So yeah. good olive oil, if you, if you confit or fry or poach, you know, under – 400 degrees technically like you should you can use that four or five times yeah you should have like a little canister of your poaching liquid yeah that that's a good that's good advice I, I i think i was just thinking like what do you use with this frizzle then if it's like lower grade uh it's actually n- purely made so there's an entry level price point to use olive oil because there's a lot of people that all they can ever afford in their whole life is going to be canola oil yeah almost two cents per fluid ounce yeah. You know, so uh, until you do something like that, Graza can't be for everybody. So if you want to create a step up that's palatable for more people, you have to do something like this. This leads to wholesale because, like, that seems to be part of your business too that we haven't discussed. And we were off mic before before we, we, we started rolling. And you said you were at Emilio's Bellotto. Emilio Bellotto. I was there before. This is a pretty cool place. Yeah, real cool place on, on Houston and Sullivan. Houston no. and Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yeah. Now, you're hand selling this stuff to restaurants. Sometimes, yeah. Like, so what's the, we what? don't use a distributor for restaurants. Interesting. So, so this is like if you know, you know kind of situation. This is slow growth. This yeah. is like we're not going to talk about it that much. We're mm-hmm. not going to push for our brand to be consumer facing at these places because their job is not to advertise Graza. Their job is to sell, fill tables, sell tasty food, yeah. and like we just want to be a part of that. Um, and you want to give them good oil at like a good price, yeah, I would exactly, imagine. Exactly. Like and it improves our buying power also. Yeah. The more oil that we buy, the better it is for everyone, um, which is an exciting part of our growth. It's like the bigger we get, mm-hmm. the cheaper our really good oil gets for everybody. Um, so, so yeah, we, we, we have 16 restaurants on our roster right now. 
Um, Ooh, buying, name some names. They're buying in bulk. I love this because you got four horsemen. Um, we we got talked four about horsemen, James and his oils. Emilio's. We had hags, and then yeah. I think they had to. There was a zoning or mm. something. Something not good happened, unfortunately. And then in Austin, we have Suerte, mm-hmm. Este, the Meteor, and then I actually don't have the other ones like rolling off. No, it's okay. Tip. And it, it sounds like you're doing this um, almost like let's seed it yeah, in a yeah. different way. It's not just with the grand people, but like let's seed it with the industry. Let's get into some kitchens. Yeah. And it's like it's nice to just have a win of getting a chef yeah. your olive oil to try. They know a lot of people. And if they like your product, you know, yeah, it's awesome if their restaurant buys it. And like if you're going to, you know, make a recipe for Graza, even better if your restaurant uses it. You know, walk mm-hmm. the walk. Um, in a sense, but if they're barbecuing with their, you know, back of house crew on a Sunday on a day off and they're using Graza, like that, that's a win. That's cool too. Sounds like getting on the big sweet green board would be pretty cool. Sweet green would be cool. Yeah. There was, there was a, I saw a picture the other day of someone that like photoshopped a, a sweet green Graza collab and I was like, damn. Wait, really? Oh yeah. They don't work for you? They don't work for us. They they, want to work for you. You know, you you might know them (laughs) snackshot. No, I don't know. You can check out Snackshot. Is that a gram, Instagram? It's a gram. I'll check it out. Snackshot. I think the, your two brands, I mean, Nick I've known forever when he had like three locations and, you know, certainly um, plugged with the restaurant industry. Oh, yeah. It's super important for oh, a yeah. growing brand. Oh, yeah. I, w- I, would, I would take that meeting. I would run <laughs> to that meeting. Right, exactly. <laughs> it sounds like it would be a great meeting. I mean, it seems like your brands and like legitimately great product. Again, I need to stress, if you made it this far – you um, have to understand I bought the product and I like it. I bought yeah. it and that's why you're here. Yeah. Um, Sandwich shops, salad shops. Yeah. Like we just want to be on the line. Like drizzle, the beauty of drizzle is it is an intense flavor. If you've never tried peppery, vivacious, vibrant olive oil, it could be a little bit too much for you. Yeah. Um, but the beauty is putting it on an arugula and cherry tomato salad. It's a dream, yeah. you know? And, and a lot of people have reported that they're not using dressings anymore. Uh, and not all dressings are bad. Obviously, a homemade vinaigrette is the dream. But you mean they're not using bottled dressings? They're not using bottled dressings. Why should they? I don't think they should. <laughs> but they're, I'm saying drizzle has enough of a flavor profile to just go directly as the dressing, in a sense. What about ratio of vinegar to olive oil on a, on a salad? That's I, a real personal question. It is a personal question. Yeah. And how much grainy mustard also. Oh, um, grainy mustard as a salad dressing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. like I use Dijon more than yeah. grain, but I love a mustard-based salad dressing on yeah. lettuce, on oh, lettuce yeah. particularly. Baby lettuce. Um, I think the more acid, the better for me. I don't like yes. an olive overly oiled salad. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Lemon. We like lemons. Um, so we've talked about your three skews, but is there like a product category that you would want to get into? No. You said that very fast. We respect are f- that. We are focused. Yeah. Like it- we are. We want to buy really good olive oil, a lot of it, and sell a lot of it. It's great. It's it's important to note that being focused is uh, is key, right? Is And you probably learned that Warby and learned it at uh, Casper. Well, I also think when you talk about D2C companies, I mean, Casper as an example, one of the easiest ways to re-engage your community, people say community when they're really referring to customers. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I'm glad you called yourself out on that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One of the easiest ways to re-engage them is to launch new products because yeah. it's a it's a crapshoot. X percent of those people will buy the new thing that you did, um, and it's an easy way to market because 
as a campaign, it's like, oh, it's like you're launching a whole new thing yeah. over again. So people get in this. It's a cycle. You yeah. get media to earned media. Yeah, exactly. Guys like me writing about you. Yeah. Our job is harder. It really is. Where it's like we're trying to get new information, new storytelling, new recipes, new media on the same product over and over and over again. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're not betting on someone making a $200 purchase one time a year because yeah. they felt spendier. They got a deal. Or they waited for Black Friday. Like, we're betting on 12 purchases a year. But that's that's the great part about your business. Yeah. Like, it is olive oil. This is not fish sauce. And I love fish sauce, but you're not buying uh, 12 bottles of fish sauce a year. Nope. It's olive oil. It's eggs. It's yeah. butter. Salt. Yeah. Garlic. Yeah, well, those are all – I mean, those are those are like produce. You're talking about produce and you're talking – but you're like olive oil is shelf-stable. And, and Oh, yeah. I feel um, there's very few products that have that kind of – shelf stability that and consumption and consumption exactly yeah it's cool andrew we asked all guests in the taste podcast if you could write a cookbook or food culture book without the burden of time meaning you have no deadline or the burden of budget meaning you have unlimited money to make the book happen what would this book be i don't want to just pull something out of my ass i would rather pay tribute to a style of book yeah that i really appreciate if that's okay um and I might butcher the title, but I'm pretty sure this book is called Vertical Cooking. Mm. Um, and, and it's all about how recipes like are the last step. But if you know how to make a pancake batter, for example, you also know how to make 10 other things, extensions of the base of what you're cooking that make them your own where you can go into any recipe and you're like, oh, like I know the first four steps because that's like the same first four steps mm. of these 10 other things that I cooked. And then I can add my own spin. So I, I feel like when I get a cookbook, I end up, uh, besides Salad Freak by Jess Damick. Great. Sat I actually seat. like made a lot of those It's salad. a great book. She sat in the seat you're in right now. Yeah. She's, she's great. That, that was one where I was like, I'm going to make a lot of these salads. But usually I cook maybe a fifth of the recipes mm-hmm. in a cookbook. And that's a lot. So it is a lot, man. So a style of cooking where yeah. you know it's it's not instructional. This is how chefs cook, but it's like if you've taught yourself how to make one thing, you've taught yourself how to make ten. Realistically, yeah, vertical cooking, cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Andrew Bennon, thank you for joining the Taste Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. The Taste Podcast is hosted by me, Matt Rodbard. It's produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.